This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hello, everybody. It is a Monday. And this show will be uh, dominated, rightfully so, by one topic, the passing of a man that uh, everyone in this state somehow felt like they knew, they knew of, and to a lot of people was really the face of the state. The news came out, and the Grant family wanted the Vikings to announce it, the passing of uh, Bud Grant. No one liked him in the history of the state. Brilliant man, so much more than football. But coach football as well as anybody who's ever graced this planet, a man who is an extraordinary coach in his own right, is Bud's son, Mike Grant, 11 titles with Eden Prairie. Mike is kind enough to join us right at the start of the show on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Mike, again, my sympathies to you and your entire family. I will share with others that I thought under the circumstances we had just a wonderful conversation yesterday for about 90 minutes talking about your dad, my father, their tie, and so many great stories. And I really appreciated that conversation. I thank you for coming on. There is no path. There is no plan. There is no perfect way to process when a family member departs, even if it's a family member who has lived a lengthy life. So as you're trying to process this about 48 hours later, how is it going when you're thinking about what has happened to your father? Well, it's it, it, it's pr- uh, pretty raw still, uh, you know, because this, this wasn't, you know, I, I think people didn't understand. This wasn't a planned thing. I mean, not planned, but not expected thing. You know, we, we were talking about summer. We were talking about turkey hunting here in the spring. Uh, we were talking about next fall, uh, you know, plans on how to get him into a deer stand with his limited mobility. But so there was a lot of talk about the future and things that were coming up and things we were going to do. So, you know, it was not a long, long illness, uh, which I know my dad would have wanted it that way. Uh, he, he told me one time, he said, don't ever be, let me be in a hospital. And I said, well, in a hospital ever? This was 30 years ago he told me this. Right. I said, well, I don't know if I can guarantee you'll never be in a hospital. But we were going to see a good friend, a guy named Pat Ritchie, and, and he just said, don't ever let me be in a place like this. And I remember looking at him, and I was, you know, in my 30s at that time, 
And I said, well, you mean the hospital never lets you be here? So for him to die Saturday morning, and, and I want people to understand, he did not suffer a bit. He uh, and Pat, I'm, I'm over at the house now. I'm sitting in his chair that he always sat in when the family would gather for whatever. And and uh, he, he he got up with the intent of uh, of of having uh, getting up and seeing a doctor was coming in uh, to to see him because uh, things weren't going great. Uh, and he got up and he sat on the edge of the bed and. He just kind of fell over, uh, and that was it. It was almost instantaneous. So I think in, it, it went the way that he wanted to. He was in his house. He was with Pat. Uh, you know, it it was not some long, drawn-out thing that so many people have gone through with yes. their loved ones. You are, uh, you are seeing this where so many of us are trying to capture in summarize the multifaceted life that your father lived. And I had to do this a few years ago with my dad, you know, and it's, it's not easy to do it, but what has struck you most so far of the reaction to your father's passing? And what else do you think people are missing about your dad when, when we're trying to recap this truly unique life? Well, you know, let me just first say how much we appreciate Selden Burns and, and, and his efforts with my dad here in the last few weeks and was here with the family on Saturday morning. I mean, above and beyond duty to come over. And even after my dad was in emergency and Sheldon came and was so important. And then also Bob Hagan, yep. who was there with us on Saturday morning and handling a lot of different things for us uh, so we could be together. What, What's, what has struck me about my dad is that he he was really the common people, the average, the farmer in northwest Minnesota, the 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 person driving a truck. He he was their coach. He he didn't, you know, he he, he didn't flaunt being with governors or mayors or or. Or being all people he could have spent time with, you know, or mm-hmm. the Bobby Knight. He was about the common people. He really was. And I had the opportunity up at my cabin. Uh, I have a place north of Alexandria, and there's a small little restaurant there. And, and he would, we'd go in there to eat, and these people would be, you know, just the average people living up there in, in town. And he would spend time with them and put his armor on them and take pictures with them. And, and was interested in him. I, I thought you had a great, uh, a, a great comment about him that I've thought about a lot here. And I, I think I don't can't remember when when you said it, but it's since his passing about how he was a man. He was so curious about life. Yep. And he really, when people talk to him, and this is a gift that not many people have, but great leaders have it, is when they talk to him. He uh, he really listened, and and he wanted to know, even if it's my as much as well, what crop do you grow on that forty acres, <laughs> or what you know, where did you hunt, or where you know, or or very often somebody, very often someone would say, my brother struck out against you in nineteen forty seven, you know, <laughs> and they remember that, and my dad would remember the field. 
Right. And he, he'd, he'd make up that he remembered the guy, you know. Yeah, I sure. mean, <laughs> yeah, he'd say, oh, yeah, he couldn't hit a curveball. Um, right. But he, he, uh, but he, he would listen to those small stories. He just didn't have to be about big stories. He enjoyed that. Um, and which, so as for us growing up, we never talked about football. Yep. Well, that's what, you know, and, and we talked about this and I just was around him so often with my father. I loved his interest in things away from football. I loved how he generally wanted to learn more information Every day, and even this is when he was coaching, he didn't feel like he was at the expense of missing out on football. That if I had dinner with Sid and he brought somebody else and, and they had some specialty or somebody approached us, your dad generally wanted to do it. We both have been around enough well-known people where there can be a lot of phoniness. There can be some fraudulence to it. Your dad never ever was that he used his words precisely and if he was genuinely interested in something it wasn't because he felt like bud grant had to be interested in it it was because bud grant really was interested well and he was interested in you know believe it or not we would talk about crows where he saw crows when he saw crows there aren't as many crows he was in a his latest thing it's pretty interesting. His latest thing in the last three months, well, I had never heard. He he started telling me, he goes, I'm an observer of men. Yes. I love that line that you said that yesterday. Yeah. And I'm like, so, you know, I kind of <laughs> chuckle at him a little bit. And I go, right. well, what does that mean? But I, I knew what he meant. because I knew he was that way as a coach. Yeah. Like when he was on the field at training camp, people would say, well, what does he do? He doesn't do anything. <laughs> no, no. You missed it completely then because he is watching everything every player does and evaluating everything. And I, you know, I, I, I've told this story that, that as a coach and as a person, I have watched him at training camp as a ball boy from 12 till I was 18, you know, at training camp and you're on the field and you're running around. And, but I watched my dad. And so some rookie player would sit on his helmet or take a knee when you're not supposed to take a knee. And, you know, he told him that one time, and my dad always felt that was enough. I told you, and you should know you don't do that. Well, anyway, so, and I would always say, oh, boy, here we go. You yep. know, right. Now, a lot of coaches would scream and yell and run across the field and make a guy do whatever. But if you watch my dad, it would take him, you know, maybe half an hour, and he would eventually be standing next to that rookie, which scared the crap out of that rookie, by the way. <laughs> right. Because, yeah. But Grant, I mean, no one, my dad didn't talk to anybody. You know, I mean, any of the players, really. I mean, he, it was very businesslike. But now Bud Grant's standing right next to you. And I'd see him kind of lean in and sometimes put an arm around him. And and it, it might go as, as – it might be as simple as if you do that again, you're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or as simple as we don't do that. We yeah. don't do that here. And you need to know that that is not – or it might be that's a $50 fine, you know, or whatever. But – didn't yell, didn't scream. You wouldn't even know. You might have thought they were talking about his, you know, family. But he would get it known that way, and and that was a gift that he had uh, to communicate uh, that way. And and he was that way as a father. I mean, he I never heard him raise his voice to any of us. Uh, now he may have, 
but I don't remember. And I know my mom and dad never, I'd never heard of yell or her yell in the house at anybody. And it's now, as I said, that doesn't mean we weren't screwing up, you know, <laughs> as kids do, but you are more deathly afraid of a sit down at the table where he didn't talk, but just stared at you. That, that was, that was hard enough. Uh, and so I knew that look that he would give players and probably reporters who asked oh, yeah. questions <laughs> that they shouldn't ask. I felt it a few different times myself, <laughs> knowing your dad, as long as it did. Let's just take a short pause. Mike Grant is so kind to share uh, multiple segments with us. Phenomenal coach himself, 11 titles at Eden Prairie. We're talking about his father, who everyone who's lived in this state, anybody who's paid attention to this state, anybody who pays any attention to football knows Bud Grant. Bud left us. After uh, 95 wonderful years, very short pause. Right back with Mike Grant here on News Talk 830 WCCO. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Right back here with you on News Talk 830 WCCO, chatting with uh, Mike Grant on the passing of his uh, father. I want you to share part of this, uh, this part of our conversation yesterday where you talked about, and you just shared a little bit about, there wasn't a lot of yelling, and sometimes it was a stare, but how more talkative of your father was later in life and maybe it was the grandkids or how there was just a little bit different approach by him around the family compared to 20, 30, 40 years before. Well, I think we all go through transitions in life, you know, from teenage to twenties to having families and, you know, and I can't, and I always thought I, I can't, I can't imagine being in my nineties, you know, what, what do you feel like when you go, I, I know I only got a few years left, you know, and, and how you approach life at that point. Uh, it's, that's a mystery to most of us that we hope we all have to figure out someday. Right. But when he was, when he was uh, younger and, you know, I, I asked at the family meeting here the other day, I said, do you guys remember, cause I, I'm getting old and I, 
and I don't I remember things that happened in our lives like a movie you remember but I don't always have the sense of how it felt and I said do you guys did that talk a lot I I don't remember him you know being outgoing or gregarious whatever you know uh and and I'll go, no he he didn't he didn't talk much you know uh, I don't know how my mom did it, but he, he he didn't talk. He certainly was involved and active and cared and all those things, but he was not a big talker. And then I was telling somebody here that I saw him cry for the first time at Stubby Eason's funeral. Stubby was a longtime equipment oh, yeah. manager. For sure. There, there, there was well-loved right before Dennis Ryan, who's well-loved. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've had two maybe in that's, their whole time. That's it. Two guys. It's not a po- It's not possible. No, and and I remember thinking, wow. I, I remember vividly thinking, wow, Dad can cry, you know. Uh, and I had worked for Stubby and the Ball Boys, so I was at the funeral. And and then the dam broke a little bit on the family trip to Canton, where he yes. talked about his father, which he didn't really talk that much about, you know. Uh, he talked about growing up, but in a factual way. Uh, he had a lot of stories of growing up in the Depression. And a lot of stories of what life was like then. And, and uh, you know, so he was a man, as your father was, a man of the Depression, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that knew the Depression, understood how it was and how it was during the war and rationing and all those things. My dad very much remembers that. But it, in the last few years, he became very much more emotional and would cry much easier at really any family event where he would start to say how much he appreciated us kids and how much he loved us kids. And I, he might not use the word loved, even though he would use it at times, but how much it meant to him that we were there and how, and he would get very emotional. And I think having grandchildren uh, changes things. I, I just had my first grandchild here not long ago. Congratulations. It, yeah. Thanks. And it's, uh, it is an emotional thing, and you know he was he was into the great grandchildren by fifteen or sixteen. So uh, he he became more emotional, and that was special, I think, to our family that he was that way. That um, he was he, you know was became a much more loving and caring. And I think part of it was he was just in the world of coaching, and and even he felt the stress of it, even though he pretended he didn't. You know, and you know he was a competitor and wanted to win and. And so uh, it, it's been a great, a great retirement for our family with him. Um, How come? Really why, why was it so great? Well, we got to spend a lot of time with him, you know, when he mm-hmm. was coaching, you didn't get to spend much time with him. And hunting things were very, hunting was a quick trip or a quick day. Uh, and now we can spend time with him and I'm just speaking personally now for me obviously all the kids are different but you know we enjoyed hunting and enjoyed hunting and fishing together and to have those chances but well more than anything he was just much much more uh loving and to see him around his grandchildren and his great-grandchildren you know of the hugs and just the uh the emotion he would show was was great it was just a great thing. And I, I think he knew that. I think he, when he retired at what, 57 or whatever, I think he knew that he said that I've done what I needed to do. And now I want to enjoy this and uh, without all the stress. And it's 
probably a great lesson to people. I, you know, I've thought about that in my own coaching. You know, those right. coaches that coach right till they're 80 years old or whatever, they don't have long retirements. Uh, it, it, the stress of being a head coach is tremendous. And, you know, because uh, here I am still coaching, but um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard for me to, to say it. But, you know, you think about it and say, well, maybe my dad had to figure it figured out as opposed to the Don Shulas, uh, you know, or, you know, name those coaches of his generation, Hank Strams, that didn't live very long. Yeah. Well, he just knew what was right for him, it seemed. You, you told another great story yesterday, um, and this is not that long ago, where you're, you're, maybe it's up at your cabin, and your dad is there, but for a long time nobody realizes who he is. Yeah. Can you expand on yeah. that a little bit? Well, it was – so we're deer hunting, and, and he's up, and he stayed three days at my hunting place, and – and I, 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 my wife and I worked our butts off to get this single-level little place on my hunting land so my dad could come there and be there. I mean, literally, that's why we did it. And he came, and he spent three nights with Pat and him, spent three nights there right on the hunting land, and it was just great. But he didn't, didn't hunt that long. You know, I mean, he, he, he was not the Iron Man in the cold that he once was. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's just say that. But at 95, he enjoyed getting up and he enjoyed being out there and, and, and seeing nature. And, and and to be honest, probably knowing that this might be his last time he ever yeah. deer hunts, you know. So, I mean, he was not uh, immune to knowing that. But anyway, so uh, Sunday morning I said, you know, and then I had to go buy a 55-inch TV to get into my <laughs> place so that he could watch the Vikings at noon. <laughs> you know, so... <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't uh, as funny. I had to get a TV in there so he could at noon. So at nine o'clock, and let's go eat. Let's get something to eat. And yep. so at first he was like, "Nah," and they go, "Oh, well, okay, let's go." And it's a little tiny re- restaurant. I mean, a tiny. You got to picture it on the corner of, and many people that listen may know on a, on the corner of uh, of, of two ten and, and Highway twenty nine. It's called the Four Corners, uh, and that's not the name of the restaurant. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the restaurant, but it's a small little. You know, just the local people come in for breakfast after church or whatever. So we're sitting there. He's got an orange coat on, and he's got an orange hat, and he's got a scruffy beard. And 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 he. But we're sitting right by the door because that's where the table was. And so people, five, six, seven, eight people, couples, families came in to eat during that time while we were sitting there. And everybody was wearing Vikings. The people in central Minnesota love the Vikings. And so on Sundays, they don't can't afford to go to a game maybe, but they're wearing purple, right? And so a number of women walked in, older women, middle-aged, older. And my dad would kind of yell at them, like, I like that jacket. And so <laughs> so out of character, my dad, you know. But and he'd startle them a little bit. Well, they, they to the one, everyone looked over and go, oh, yeah, thanks. They just kept walking. Yeah. Yeah. Why are like, you talking to me? Old, you know? Who is this old man yelling at me, you know? And the owner of the cafe and his wife are wonderful people. And, you know, we stop in there all the time. And, and uh, I had told him my dad was coming. I said, hey, you know, this, at the end, let's get pictures and everything. And my dad was so great with that in these later years of taking pictures, spending time talking to him, putting their armor on him, you know, all those things that he wanted to do. Uh, and, well, I should say maybe he didn't want to do, but he actually did it really well in the end, the last years here. So they're talking. And so the owner finally comes over, and they're getting pictures. I mean, they're huge Viking fans. I mean, this is like 
unbelievable for mm. them to have my dad in there. Oh, for sure. And they're taking pictures. And all these people in the restaurant are looking over like, what the heck is going on over there? They didn't understand what's going on. And finally, one woman kind of recognized my dad. She came over. My dad sat her down next to him, talked to her, talked, talked to her for five, ten minutes. And very interested, where do you live? What do you do? Whatever, you know, had an arm around her, took pictures. And then he said, well, get close. we got to get back to the game, you know, and whatever. So he leaves, and now the people are going, well, who was it? Well, that was Bud Grant. And they go, what? Wait, ho- hold on. <laughs> we were sitting here with Bud Grant. He was such a person that felt comfortable about around people that were not big celebrities. He probably wasn't. Yes that comfortable even going to big events but to sit in a cafe and talk to these people about their lives and what they do and and be interested back to what you said he's very curious and he had the ability and i think all great teachers have this um a lot of people that teach that know a lot but they're not very good teachers because i always said it's not what somebody in a classroom it's not what they learn it's how they feel being in your class and People always felt great around my dad. They never felt like he's, you know, that he thought he was better than them. You know, that he grew up in the depression with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. he didn't have a thing. He, I, if you got to say it, I'll tell you a story. I used to tell my history class, and my dad would tell me this story about growing up in the depression. And he'd say, "Well, there were three things we could do." He said, "He said there's three things." He said, uh, "One." And where I became a good pitcher is we go down to the railroad tracks and we pick up rocks and throw them at the, at the uh, telephone poles. And the kids are waiting for like, okay. And I go, no, that's it. That was the fun, you know, <laughs> right. throwing rocks. And my dad swears that's how he became a good pitcher. He said, I for an hour. And then I said, and then on Saturday mornings, actually four things on Saturday mornings, you go to the hardware store. And they had a barrel of wood bats in there, and they couldn't touch them. But on Saturday morning, they'd let him pick up the bat, and he could swing it a few times. That's the story. <laughs> my dad was thrilled about Saturday morning. So oh, we're trying to give these kids a perspective. And then I said, right. he invented video games. And they go, what? I go, yeah. My grandpa would go down at night with my dad with a twenty-two rifle with twenty-two shorts, and pull up to the town dump and he'd turn on the lights and all the rats would be running all over the place. And my dad would shoot, 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 shoot. And then all the rats would hide. Well, then they'd turn off the lights again, wait five minutes, turn them on again. All the rats. <laughs> I did, that was the first, the first video game. And then the last thing I'd say, one of his best days was when the ice truck came and to bring into the refrigerator, the chunk of ice, you know, in the summer it'd be hot and, Every once in a while, when they grabbed it with the tongs, a chunk of ice would fall off and he could eat it. <laughs> and to talk to modern-day kids about that, you know, about that was his life and how he grew up, he was a very common man. So if you can indulge me on this one, and I probably wouldn't ask this if our, our families weren't so close. Um, I told you this yesterday, and, and some people can identify with this, the the days after my father passed, the weeks after my father passed, I would I'd drive towards his house. And sometimes I would intentionally drive towards his house. Other times, well, I'm just going to see him. And then I'd catch myself. You know, and it took me a long time where 
He wasn't just a part of my routine. Have you thought about that yet, how just going forward, your dad just isn't going to be a part of your routine because he has been for such a long part of your life? I uh, was at home, I was saying, I was walking through the kitchen at 8 o'clock or something, I got to call dad. Just what you're saying. So I walked in and told my wife, clean. I said, you know, that was the strangest thing. I just had a a thing where in my mind, I got to call that, you know, just see how he's doing, see what's going on. Cause he was always, he loved talking to us kids. He'd talk for hours. He didn't say, he didn't say a hundred words in a week when we were kids. Now he said a hundred words in a minute, <laughs> you know, talking to us. And he always wanted to know how the kids were, how the, you know, he was always that way. So that is going to be really strange because that hit me last night that, you know, uh, it was similar when my brother Bruce passed yeah, because, right. you know, we, we, Bruce, we, we knew he was going to, he was going to succumb to this glioblastoma. We knew it. And, but so a year, we had about a year with him, which was a really good year uh, with Bruce. But, you know, every day I was talking to Bruce, where was he? What did he mm-hmm. do? Yep. And when he passed, it was the same thing. It was like, Oh my God, my, all I've done for a year is worry about Bruce every day. And even that worrying, like, I'm worried about yes, that. Right. You know, that worry, I'm sure you felt the same way. 100%. Like, every day, every day, even if you weren't going to see him, you were worried about it. And you thought every day what, he, what, he, what it is. And so it's, it's going to be hard that way. But, you know, I, I, I think the Grant family, we're just like any other family. All these pe- people are going through this all the time. You're right. We're nothing, we're nothing special. There's nothing everybody does that and does this with people that they love. And, and, and so there's nothing unique or special about us in any way. The only uniqueness is that, 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 you know, dad was beloved by the whole state. That that's the difference, but it doesn't make us any better or unique or we, we deserve more sympathy or pity, right. you know, because, Oh, he was that he, he, and he would say the same thing. He'd just say, well, I, I could hear him. I just happened to coach yeah. football, and, yep. and and we won some games. That'd be about all he'd sum it up. Yeah, we won some games. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. I know this is not easy, um, but so many people thought so highly of you and your father, and, and I know tens of thousands have been listening to your words, so I really appreciate it. Be well. You know we'll stay in touch, and I'll be thinking of you. Yep. All right. Thanks so much. Mike Grant. Pretty remarkable stuff in the passing of his father, Bud Grant, here on CCO. Uh, if you're just joining in, number one, this is uh, the worst clock management in planet history. Uh, but we wanted to give uh, Mike Grant worth it plenty of time. Yeah. I thought he was – I had high expectations for that, and he exceeded it every way with uh, the stories just as his dad, the observer of men – the change in in his emotions and his communication skills. So that was great. Uh, I, a lot of people probably are not surprised by this. It you know, when someone close to a family member has passed away, um, it brings back memories. And so the phenomenal Bob Hagen who Mike referenced. He is the longtime Vikings employee. He's now transitioning from media relations director to another position. I won't 
rip the Vikings this time about it, other than saying it's the dumbest decision they've ever made in the history of their franchise. So I'll keep it short that way. Um, Bob Hagen had this great event Thursday. That's where I was stuck in the elevator. And my plan there, because I knew Bud would be there, because Bob Hagen, outside of family members, was as close to my father and Bud Grant as anybody in their lives the last 10 years of their lives. If you are so lucky to have a Bob Hagen in your life, you've lived a great life. They, they just don't get better than Hagen. They just don't. And so, Bob, as this event, I knew Bud would be there. And Wednesday is my father's birthday. First year, I didn't uh, I didn't work the first year. Last year, who would I have on at 1235? Harry Peter Grant. This time, I was going to ask either Bud or Pat, his longtime girlfriend, who's phenomenal. You know, Bud was had a wonderful wife in Pat, great, great person. And then to find another wonderful person, he was fortunate. And I, I was really going to try to see if Bud would come down. And so I was planning on calling Bud on Saturday. And I was, I, you know, I had heard, I didn't talk to Mike. I saw Mike at the Hagen event, but there were just so many people that people knew. I just didn't get a chance. But I'd heard that, like Mike said, nobody thought Bud was that sick. And so I just was going to wait till like one or two and call Bud. Somebody tweeted at me at Ricey Patrick's going to join us at 105. Ahmad Rashad's going to join us at 135. Chip Scoggins is going to make his regular appearance. This is pretty much all about Bud today. And somebody tweeted at me, Dave, along with the others, like, Bud Grant, great life. I just thought, whoa, what's going on? I learned a lesson a long time ago when a uh, former employee of this radio station, uh, when most of us in the media knew someone had passed away, broke the story before family me- all family members had found out, and they would brag about it over and over and over again, how he broke the story. So... I wasn't going to, oh, guy, this guy tweeted at me. I got to go with something about Bud. I wasn't going to put anything out there. And I wasn't going to reach. You know, this is person who I've known my entire life and is my father's closest friend. So when the Vikings put out the release, you know, I was greatly sad. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just tell the story about. I'll just tell the story. It just, it just caused me to think a lot about my dad. It really did. I spent two hours plus at the cemetery yesterday. That's when I put the co- the, the cover of the Sunday paper with that great picture bud up against uh, my father's uh, gravestone. It just brought back so many memories of just him for me and just those two. And when I was – when Patrick called me on, on Saturday, I was talking about his column. I just – I was mesmerized again how Patrick just nailed it because – and Bernsey cannot be forgotten because Bernsey was with this threesome. He's an essential part of my father, Bud, and Bernsey. 
and it just brought brought back a lot of memories. Later in the show, I'm going to tell and elaborate a little bit about Bud at my father's funeral and his emotions and his determination. Because as he told Hagen when he went out there in the golf shirt for the Seattle game when it's 5,000 below outside. Minus 25, I believe. Honestly. He told Hagen because he went to Bob early in the week, said, I'm thinking about walking on the field, at T, you know, then TCF Bank golf shirt because Bob loves Bud. He's like, Bud, it's going to be like 20, 30 below. I know it's 30 today. Bud goes, if you're determined enough, you can do anything. And that was Bud. <laughs> if he was determined enough, he could do anything. Let's uh, pause. Don't forget Patrick Royce on Bud early next hour. Okay, because this show is basically a tribute to uh, Bud Grant, no uh, overrated, underrated, properly rated today. To my friend Rhett, who I met last night, it will be back. Met uh, Rhett last night and his uh, girlfriend, birthday girlfriend, L, as they were celebrating uh, L's birthday. And he said he loves overrated, underrated, properly rated. I'll tell you, roll. I, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, he prays I heard he isolates mine. Actually. Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, but we're not going to do it today. Maybe tomorrow, pending on Adam's availability. The legend himself, Patrick Royce, is early next hour. Linda's construction time check is time for me to stop talking. Time to get an estimate on a maintenance-free deck. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 